Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Greeting, girls and boys. We're glad you're joining us again for the Insurgents podcast, yet another edition. And today I have an announcement. I am joined with a voice from the past, and I am referring to a previous conversation partner that's sitting right in front of me, Nikki V. How you doing, Nicholas? I'm doing great, Frankie V. It's good to be back here again on the podcast, and good to see your mug, and um, good to be here in the middle of nowhere where we're <laughs> podcasting from. Yes, and we will keep that between ourselves, lest you fall out of your chair in laughter. Anyway, we do what we have to do to get together and record these shows for you. And we are continuing our conversation wherein we're looking at every reference to the kingdom of God in the Gospels. And we are still in those places in the Gospels where the kingdom is mentioned in Matthew and Luke, but not Mark. And scholars call this Q. The next reference that we're going to look at today is part of what's known as the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 in verse 10. And I'll read that segment very quickly here out of the English Standard Version. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The King James Version also has another mention of the kingdom. Is it in verse 13? Uh, yes, it is. Verse okay. 13. You want to read that, what it says there? Sure, yeah. This is verse 13, which is in King James and New King James, but not in <clears throat> many other translations. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. And that's not in many of the other translations. So we are not really going to cover it in this episode. But let's talk about this statement that's in this prayer. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, uh, and Frank and I, you, we were talking, of course, uh, before we started just about the references to kingdom in general. And I was saying to me, obviously, context is always important, but it seems especially important when we're dealing with the topics that the podcast is covering right now and these references to the kingdom of God. And so the context for this, in my opinion, is also pretty important. So I kind of just wanted to start there by maybe just a little bit of context. So we have Jesus talking, and who is he talking to um, in this passage? That matters, and what exactly is happening here. So this comes in in quite a um, lengthy portion of scripture. If you have a red letter Bible, you are talking pages and pages of red ink, because this is really almost right in the middle of a very long monologue by the Lord, but he is talking to, always talking to to the 12. Since they're in training, he's always speaking to the 12. But there is the backdrop of the crowd here, um, and a pretty sizable crowd at that. So they also are able to hear 
the Lord in all of this as well. So that's kind of the context here. We're coming right off the Sermon on the Mount. I just want to read a few verses leading up to this. So he says, And when you pray, and this is verse 5 in chapter 6, You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. But when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. And then, of course, we have what's traditionally been called the Lord's Prayer. So that's kind of the backdrop as he's leading into this. And um, it is definitely noteworthy that he says in translations that I have, pray like this. So he's not specifically telling them to literally pray these words. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but to pray like this in this manner. And so kind of what you're seeing here is, is a, a scaffold, uh, an outline, something for you to go off of. But I think the thing that really jumps off the page for me is if you prioritize this in the order that the Lord's praying it, the coming of the kingdom is right near the tippity top because his first words have to do with the glorification of the Father's name. That's numero uno. Then second is the coming of the kingdom. And then way down after that comes your needs and my needs and things that we think we need. And it's just an interesting priority list here if you look at it. It's different than most of us have a tendency to pray. We usually start off with our own needs. Sometimes we start and end with our own needs. But this is the Lord Jesus praying and it's oriented toward the Father first and his name and then the kingdom coming. And then all of these other needs. So that's that's a very interesting priority list. And I'm just wondering if God's people actually have, have grasped that same prioritization. Mm. Well, I think we're all trying to uh, get our, our hearts and minds around this. It definitely is pregnant, I think, especially how he implores us to pray for the kingdom. And it's interesting because he's he's in effect saying that we are to ask the Father for his kingdom to come where? On earth, and for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's interesting, the prayer is not to escape the earth and be taken to heaven. It's not a prayer for a rapture. It's a prayer for the kingdom of God, which is in the heavenly realm, to penetrate and evade the earth. In verse 10, we have an example of, of what's known as Hebrew parallelism, where the kingdom coming and God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven are tightly connected. It's another way of, of saying the same thing. And so I guess I want to start off by saying a few things about heaven. In heaven, God's perfect will is done, right? God's rule, his sway is done in the heavenly realm. And the heaven he's talking about, there's, there's three heavens in scripture. You have the sky that we see where the birds fly. And then the second heaven is from the clouds to infinity. That's where the millennial falcon 
resides and the Starship <laughs> Enterprise resides and <laughs> those fictitious spacecrafts. And then you have the third heaven, Paul called it the third heaven, and that's the heavenly realm, also known as heavenly places or um, heavenlies. You can get into the new shepherd with Jeff Bezos and you'll never get to the third heaven <laughs> because it's in a different dimension. But that's where God's reign is fully expressed and manifested. And what Jesus is praying here is that the kingdom that is in the heavens come down to earth and that just as God's will is being done perfectly in the heavenly realm, it be done perfectly on earth. It's basically the prayer for what is in the heavens to join the earth. And that's basically the, the storyline of scripture. It's, it's not that we go to heaven it said heaven comes down to earth, just as it was in the beginning in Genesis 1 and 2. You had the two realms tied together. And so I think that this prayer is a prayer that in one sense has been fulfilled. Uh, the kingdom of God really made its first appearance with John the Baptist. And we'll look at that in another episode where Jesus says that people began to press their way into the kingdom when John the Baptist began to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Then Jesus came and he brought it in a more fuller way, right? So the kingdom came with the appearance of Jesus, but not in its fullness. And then Pentecost came and the kingdom was manifested in greater degrees on the day of Pentecost. And then ever since then, even to the time we're living in now, the kingdom of God has been spreading through the earth in city after city. And finally, it's going to come and invade the entire planet and take over the world. And it's going to spread just like the waters cover the seas all over the earth. And so this prayer, some of it has been fulfilled, but it's a prayer that we can continue to pray because it's not been fully fulfilled. A good example of this would be... Um, how Disney World was built. We're not far from Orlando, but Disney World was built in 1971 and it was built in stages. First, you had the Magic Kingdom, right? I liken that to John the Baptist and the kingdom coming in his ministry. Then you had Epcot. That's Jesus. He comes and the kingdom <laughs> comes more powerfully. And if you've ever been to Epcot, that's a fuller manifestation of Disney World. And then after that, you had MGM Studios, which is now Hollywood Studios. And then after that, you had the Animal Kingdom. Well, if you can think of the kingdom coming in different stages, like Disney World was built, there's coming a day where Disney World will take over the whole earth. And that's what we're praying for. So I think a, a lot of this has to do with territory and rulership. God put Adam in charge of the earth. Adam was to exercise God's reign in the earth. But he failed and Jesus came and did what Adam failed to do. And so this is really a prayer about God taking territory, that the Lord coming in his kingdom, even now as we speak, for him to gain more ground on the earth. It's a prayer because the kingdom coming is really God's action. I mean, we participate, but the prayer, I think, moves heaven to action so prayer is, as I understand that it, it's God's power sharing mechanism. It's how we participate with the Lord in bringing his will in the earth, which is another way of saying the kingdom coming. Yeah, that's great. And thanks for uh, baptizing Disney World for me. I feel like I can, can go there you now. You can finally go now. <laughs> um, I agree. We, we both 
probably are familiar, both you and I, Frank, are familiar with um, there being an interpretation out there that that this prayer has been fulfilled in its entirety and it's not necessary for Christians to pray this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. I, I The best that I can say about it is that there's been some partial fulfillment of it, but Jesus's utterance here about the kingdom really is is going all the way back to Old Testament prophets who were longing for that full manifestation of God's promised rule on the earth. You already said this, but this is this is a large part of the story of the Old Testament is you have this attempt to have some location on the earth, Israel, where God's rule the way it occurs in heaven has some reflection here on the earth Mm -hmm. and of course over and over again uh, they come up short and that's putting it diplomatically and so these prophets are raised up who are crying and declaring and um, you know bent over double in pain longing for the manifestation of God's promised rule because that promised rule was made back in the garden after the fall that that was still going to happen even though Adam had had messed up Mm. that that was still going to be something that God was going to bring about and so what's so beautiful here is you see the Lord Jesus in the continuation of this long line because he is a man and he's here as the son of man he's continuing that burden he's continuing to carry that burden and telling us to continue to carry the burden, you know, even under the new covenant, to pray for the coming and the full manifestation of the kingdom of God on earth. And I think that's really critical. And and you mentioned something I think is really important. So many people try to have a physical hand in bringing about the manifestation of the kingdom. And it's where a lot of people stumble and a lot of mess is made and a lot of destruction and damage is caused by you know sometimes very well-meaning people who want to kind of force and this isn't too different than what the way the 12 were behaving early on they kept egging Jesus on to physically manifest the kingdom from the perspective that they imagined the kingdom was going to look like and even at times they themselves put their hand out to try to physically bring about some kind of a physical manifestation of the kingdom But in reality, the only thing we're really called to do here is to labor in prayer quietly over that and expect to see a physical manifestation of the kingdom. But that's the Lord's doing through his people. And our primary role, at least initially, is to be whatever term you want to use, intercession, prayer, longing, carrying the burden of of the kingdom becoming visible on the earth agents of God's kingdom yeah in Luke 11 we have Jesus talking about the prayer as well and the provocation of it where he teaches his disciples how to pray is they see Jesus praying they're observing him talk to the father and then they approach him and say teach us how to pray and it's interesting because there was something about the way Jesus prayed that was very different from the way the religious leaders in in Israel prayed, and very different from the way the pagans prayed. And and I think we get a little insight into the difference in the first eight verses of Matthew. What Jesus does in the first eight verses of Matthew is he distinguishes between how the Pharisees prayed, which is basically hypocritical pretense, 
It's all about, look at me, <laughs> see how I'm praying. And then he also throws in the heathen, the pagans. Their prayers are marked by mechanical formalism. They do the chants, they do the rituals, they, they keep repeating themselves. What Jesus does is so powerful because, again, it's just an outline he gives us. He doesn't say, pray word for word. It's this model of first having this intimacy with, with the God of the universe by calling him Father, which was radical in that time. To say that the God of creation, the God of Israel, Yahweh, is our Father, and it's not just my father. He's not just talking about himself now. He's saying our father. He's passing this on to the disciples. And then to talk about this business of really it's an issue of real estate. Your kingdom, which is operating in the heavenly realm, come down to earth. This is really the beating heart of God, the top priority that he has. And we enter into it by uttering that same burden, that same prayer, and you mentioned the Old Testament and how Israel was a picture of the kingdom and the promises to Israel that the kingdom would fill the whole earth. One of the most fascinating things in the Old Testament that's related to this is that when God gave his people Israel the land, which was a picture of the kingdom, mm -hmm. a picture of what it would look like if God were king and he was calling the shots and running the show. When his people were in the land and they looked up to heaven and they raised their voices, they called him the God of heaven and earth. It was as if they were saying, we are standing in the land, we are reflecting your will on earth as it is in heaven, right? When they were being obedient. Therefore, you have not only heaven, but you have dominion over the whole earth. You're the God of heaven and earth. But when they were exiled and they were out of the land and they prayed and they even spoke of the God of Israel, they called him the God of heaven, not the God of heaven and earth, mm -hmm. because they were out of that land that God had given to be a representation of the kingdom of God. And in the same way, when we are living life in the kingdom of God, which we've talked about so often in this podcast, he in fact is the God of heaven and earth, right? And when we're standing for his rights and we're putting ourselves under his headship, his kingship, we can say he is the God of heaven and earth and ask that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I believe he will honor this prayer. Another thing too that strikes me is it's all plural. The prayer is plural. Yes. Our Father, may your kingdom come soon. Give us. It's all plural. And um, I think this captures the, the intent of God that, that it's a people who pray this prayer, that it's a people who carry this burden, that it's a people who fulfill the mandate to advance the kingdom of God. It's not just an individual thing. However, I don't think there's anything wrong with, and I practice this myself, praying this as an individual and expanding the kingdom of God, not just to the whole earth, because that, that can be overwhelming, but to say things like, Lord, may your kingdom come in my life. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in my home. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in the circle of friends that I have, in the fellowship that I'm a part of, right? If you're part of a kingdom cell, this is a great prayer to pray that your kingdom may come in its fullness, that your will will be done perfectly 
in this little cell, in this fellowship, in this kingdom outpost. And again, it's our father. It's not our boss. It's not our commander. You know, it's our father. There's that intimacy that this prayer begins with. And I think these are all valuable um, truths to, to lay hold of. Yeah, those are all excellent points. And I, I just want to circle back to one, which um, as we were reading this and, you know, I'm thinking of, of course, your book, Insurgents, and this is the Insurgents podcast. And so many folks out there might be by themselves um, yes. they, or they might be part of a really small group to three people who maybe have come together in line in terms of the content of, of like a book like Insurgents and the Kingdom of God. And so sometimes you can feel really tiny, mm -hmm. too tiny and too insignificant to pray this kind of a prayer. But mm -hmm. I, I just really want to underscore your point of, yes, there is clearly a corporate aspect and an, and an us aspect to, to this prayer because the 12 were together all the time for those three years with, with the Lord. So everything was an us event for them. But that does not preclude us as individuals from praying this prayer at mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. uh, I find myself praying this exact prayer frequently by myself. And I feel like I'm participating in something so large because let's face it, and you mentioned this somewhere, um, I don't know if it was a podcast or in your book, that you know another term for the kingdom of God in Paul's writings is the eternal purpose. And I feel like even if I'm by myself praying for the coming full manifestation of the kingdom, I feel like I'm touching the eternal purpose Absolutely. simply by praying in that direction. I just want to encourage all the listeners of this podcast that whether it's just you or just you and one other person or you and two other people or whether there's 25 of you, this prayer is worthy to be prayed. And every single prayer made by an individual or a small group or a larger group is so critical to this being realized on the earth. So don't be discouraged and don't disqualify yourself from anything that we're talking about, even if you're alone, because um, this is a part of touching this great mm. mystery of the eternal purpose and the manifestation of God's kingdom on it. We have to labor in prayer if it's, if it's on your heart to pray for the coming of the kingdom, mm. whether you're by yourself or with other people, absolutely follow that instinct and follow that lead. The purpose of God, it, it can be described in so many different ways, but certainly one of them is that his kingdom fill this planet. That was his intention from the beginning. And when we fast forward all the way to the end of Revelation, that's what we have. We have that which is in heaven, God's realm, coming down, descending into the earth and taking over the earth. We're going to get more into this as we look at other passages on the kingdom in Matthew and Luke the shared texts, because I think the next one we're going to look at really maps to this prayer. It's an exhortation by Jesus, but it perfectly ties into this very prayer. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's intention is for his heavenly realm to invade the earth. Just a quick note, this podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host the Insurgents podcast as well as the Christ is All podcast. 
which has resumed if you haven't heard. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your own podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Check it out at podbean.com. And don't forget to check out the new book, Hang On, Let Go, What to Do When Your Dreams Are Shattered and Life is Falling Apart at hangonletgo.com. See you in the next episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it. 